Um, I do. So, uh, interestingly enough, I'm going to bring in a little bit of historical perspective. So, uh, Cincinnati Reds. I know you're not a baseball fan, but just bear with me. Uh, 2020, going into 2020, that was the first time in like their franchise history that they had ever spent a ton of money in free agency. They spent over like a hundred million in contract, um, which they had never done before. Usually, it's you know some small moves here and there, some small signings, one-year deals, uh, minor league contracts, nothing fancy. And then coming into this year, I kind of thought. The Reds were going to keep that up and make a whole bunch of moves. Uh, however, they didn't make any moves. They made a couple um, small one-year deals. Uh, and I, I kind of hope the Bengals aren't going to do the same. Because <laughs> I could kind of see that happening. You know, like, okay, we just spent all this money. We ain't got cap space. Now, I know the Bengals do have cap space. I don't know the Reds' cap space situation off the top of my head. It's possible they didn't just have the money, and it's it's weird. They have seventy three million. They got plenty of space. Okay, so they just didn't want to. They couldn't win on any of the contracts. Okay, but it is interesting, like the from the sports standpoint, how different baseball and football. I mean, not the sport aspect, from the contract aspect, how different these two sports are. Yeah, does baseball have like rules around how much you have to spend as like a minimum? I don't know if they have a I, – I don't think they even have a maximum. Um, I don't think there is a cap minimum either. And But, like, what's weird is that, like, a lot of times the team that has, like, the biggest payroll doesn't win. I think this is not the case for last year. I think the Dodgers did have the largest payroll in MLB, and they won. But they were also playing against the team who had the lowest payroll in the World Series. So – it's a weird sport where you don't have to actually spend money to win. It's very weird. But aren't the teams that win the most the ones that spend the most? Not necessarily, because I'm talking spend. about on average. Um, how many how many titles do the Yankees have? The Yankees have 27, but they've <laughs> only but they won most of those back in like um, like Yogi Berra. You got to remember they've been playing football has only been. Football just had its 50th Super Bowl. They've been playing the World Series since, like, 1900. Or yeah, but what, what's a team that doesn't spend a whole lot? Like, the Reds. <laughs> <laughs> How many titles do the Reds have? We actually have five. Um, so, actually, we're middle of the run. We are 17th out of 30. So, we're just below league average by about... Six million, but what's what's interesting about baseball is how they do contracts, because with baseball all that money's guaranteed, so there's effectively no incentive to cut a player to save money because they're going to get that money anyway. You might as well keep them. So you have players like Albert Pujols, um, Joey Votto, Miguel Cabrera who signed big, long 10-year contracts in their late 20s, early 30s, and they're in their, you know, they're getting in their late 30s and 40s now, but they're still on contracts, still playing for these teams, despite not putting up the same production they did when they signed those contracts. So 
you would never see that in football. Football's getting to the point now where some of these teams are signing will sign a player to a huge contract in free agency or resign them to a big contract and then like either before the contract goes in or um I should say before the contract takes effect or the first year after they're gone. Like Deshaun Watson is a prime example. He will be on his rookie year going into next year. He's not making his million dollars that um he signed for recently that extent that big extension he had and he is probably going to be gone from the team and that's wild to me like how vastly different these two sports are and how they deal contracts <laughs> yeah i don't know much about the mlb but it, it seems weird to me that that there's no cap yeah i, I don't think there's a cap it's not like like basketball for example basketball has um the luxury tax if you are higher than a certain threshold you have to pay money back to the league and i know i think it was the Knicks for a while we're paying in the luxury back like during the you know the um like the carmelo anthony amari stoudemire years thought they were i thought they were paying into the cap uh, i know the lakers and like the warriors were paying heavily into the cap during their like title years in the last decade so it's like what's like and it's kind of interesting thing with sports contracts is that like the warriors like they made so much money off of steph curry selling merchandise, getting promotions on TV, um, that they didn't care that they were over the luxury tax. They could afford to sign, you know, Kevin Durant um, and some of the other players that they re-signed, like Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry got a big deal. Like, they don't care because they're the money that they're paying out in luxury tax, they're earning back in, like, you know, concessions, um, uniforms or jerseys or whatever yeah possibly but doesn't it compound like i think it, so. it gets higher the more years you're over luxury tax it, it's a it's a negative incentive i think for the most part it works i think there's only i don't think teams stay above the luxury tax for that long but if if you can do a short-term gain like the warriors have you know the luxury tax is nothing yeah, well, honestly, we should really do an episode that just kind of talks about, like, the economics behind sports contracts and how they play into... It gets pretty damn complicated. It does. And just, like, how, like, like so vastly different the three major sports are. We don't talk about hockey because we don't watch hockey. No <laughs> offense. Sorry, hockey fans. Um, you you don't watch soccer exist. either. Your sport does not exist in our city too much, so we don't pay too much attention to it. I don't watch soccer either uh, because soccer is boring as hell. <laughs> why we've never you watch any, baseball. Uh, I love baseball. Baseball's fun. Soccer is way more um, interesting than baseball. I, I don't understand the process of soccer. This is why I don't watch soccer because it's like imagine you're playing basketball, okay, and your goal is to put the ball into the hoop, um, but you can't drive into the paint because there's a big guy in the middle. So, you you know, Patrick Ewing's there. I don't know why I picked Patrick Ewing. Um, Patrick Ewing's manning the middle. You can't get in the to drive in. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to toss the ball back into the backcourt, and we're going to dribble around under our own basket. That's why I don't watch soccer, because it's like, this is so boring. Why are you moving the ball backward? Move the ball forward. It's so, yeah. The strategy behind it, it, just, it boggles my brain. 
What about the strategy behind baseball? Very little. Baseball, but what's weird about baseball? <laughs> I love baseball. I love the Reds. I've only been to one opening day game, and that's not nearly enough. Um, this is why Nick, Nick doesn't watch baseball, so that's why I do the baseball podcast by myself. <laughs> and I just ramble on. But um, so, like, what's interesting with football, soccer, basketball, um, hockey is the general goal is take ball or take puck or take item or take whatever. And you have to put it into this location, whether it's a goal, uh, whether it's a basket, you know, they use the term field goal um, or touchdown or whatever. The, the point is to get a ball to a certain threshold or point. Um, the offense has the ball. The offense initiates the ball and the offense moves the ball unless it's disrupted by the defense. Baseball is completely different. You're working on a different kind of field that's a, that's effectively a really big diamond. And you have uh, the defense starts with the ball, and the defense dictates where the ball is going to go, and then the offense puts the ball in play. And the goal is to run in a circle around a square set of bags and if you get touched with the ball, like see how complicated this is compared to the other two. The other two is simple: take ball, put it in, in goal. It's field goal. Oh my gosh! I'm not even done with baseball. <laughs> and if, if you're in the middle of the field, and you get tagged with the ball, you're out three times. See, it's so complicated. Like I don't know. I just find baseball so interesting because to me, like baseball is a constant chess game. You're effectively playing between the pitcher and the hitter. Pitcher's like, okay, I just threw you a fastball. What's coming next? Am I going to throw you another fastball? I'm going to throw you a breaking ball. Hitter's like, well, he just threw me a fastball. Like, it's a constant chess match, and that's what's yeah, interesting. Yeah, along and with, then, like, two minutes, three minutes in between each pitch. If you, and then, then you messing get around. The and there's so much wasted time in baseball. They're trying to make that better, although I think I saw somewhere that last year's games were some of the longest they've ever had. <laughs> On average, um, but I do you know true story that baseball actually has more action time than football. It's only by like eleven seconds or so, uh, but there's more action that goes off in a baseball game than there does in a football. I think the difference because when you're when a baseball play happens, effectively only two or three people are moving around. Uh, whereas when a football play happens, 11 guys on both sides are moving. The replays are a little bit more interesting in how they de- dissect uh, the play that's happening. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I think there's no action in baseball. You don't have guys hitting each other. <laughs> no, someone's hitting a ball. They're not hitting each other. Yeah, exactly. So there's no action. Uh, I don't know. I think people would disagree with you on that one. But I like baseball, so that's why we're going to talk about it. Um, so speaking of driving down the middle and not being able to score, let's talk about the UC Bearcats for a little bit. Go for it, dude! Like it's been a rough year. Um, <laughs> it's been did I don't you, know. Like the did you expect any less? We talked about it in the review last year. I was optimistic. You know, things were. I thought things were going to be good, and things have not been good. So I think coronavirus has a partial impact on it because the number of games were canceled and. Like, their second game was the Crosstown Shootout. Usually they have at least a couple um, warm-up games where they, you know, bring in some nobody school. They pay a check, and then they we win the game. <laughs> uh, 
but Xavier was the second game, and then Tennessee was like the fifth or sixth game. So it's like they were playing tough matchups right off the start. I didn't think they really grooved. Um, there's been it's been really weird with Coach Brennan and like his coaching and recruiting. Oh. Um, a lot of a lot of people have transferred out even before, like, like when Mick left. When the coaches leave in college football or basketball, it's very common for players to transfer and leave because they want to go to that school to play for the certain coach. It's very common. It's like that way with football. Uh, the Our football team, the Bearcats football, uh, lost a couple recruits when Marcus Freeman, defensive coordinator, took a job at Notre Dame. So that's not, like, uncommon. But, like, so they lost, like, five or six players after Mick immediately left and then th- – Throughout the course of the last, like, two years, like, five or six players have also transferred out from the program, like, during the year. So, it's very odd. It's a very odd scenario that's going on. Uh, we kind of knew that uh, Cumberland, Jaron Cumberland and Coach Brennan were beefing last year. Um, I think they squashed it a bit towards the end. They ended up having a pretty decent year, all things considered, but... Compared to single-digit losses the last, like, three years leading into that, I think Bearcats fans have been kind of disappointed. This year sounds pretty rough, and I, I kind of saw it. They, they didn't have any star players. I was kind of optimistic. Usually, that I feel like the Bearcats always rely on having, you know, one guy that can score and then other players that can play defense. And that's, yeah, that's like, kinda, persisted regardless of the coach. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of been – the case for especially like recently the Sean Kilpatrick years were very reminiscent of that of him dominating the scoring and then having you know other players play defense and score on the side and that was kind of that way Cumberland's last two years as he was the primary scorer and it's like when he was off the court their offense was very stagnant yeah how did uh Jerron Cumberland play? Did you see? Uh, see, like what? In in what? Uh, he he's in the G League right now. I actually have not looked up his G League numbers yet. I knew that he was drafted in the G League draft, which I'm like, I guess that's something. Yeah. I'm not surprised he didn't go undrafted because he's senior year. He had a dip in production and he had conflicts with the coach. I don't think that looks very well. I think we even talked about that in our wrap-up for last year's uh, podcast episode. Um, let me see his G League numbers. I'm not even sure if he's played yet, but it would be interesting. So he's played – this is from the G League website. He's played three games. He's logged, on average, five minutes. I don't think he's scored at all. <laughs> it's going to be pretty um, rough for him. So – he has 0.7 field goal attempts <coughs> and zero field goal makes. So 0.7 times that by three is 2.1. I don't know how is it 2.1. I guess they're rounding up. Um, so he's taken two shots in three games, hasn't scored. I don't know. It's it's tough for doing the G League route. Um. Even like those star high school players, they'll come out, um, do their one year in college. They're obligated one year, and then they don't do very well. 
in the NBA. So they send down the G League, and then like that's a lot of work. So it's really going to be tough for him. And Trey Scott, I, I did see some some play of his that looked really good. Uh, I'm look him up too, see how he's doing. I believe those are the only two players from last year's team who are in the G League. I know that Gary Clark has been on and off starting for the Orlando Magic, which is awesome. He's my, he's my personal favorite player. So it's great to see him seeing some success. He's not putting up the best numbers, but um, still, at least he's playing. Trayvon Scott's actually starting. He's played started nine games. He's averaging 10 points. Um, about five rebounds, little little less than two assists, so not bad, not bad numbers. So that's good for him. He's a very, very, very likable person. <laughs> uh, a side note, kind of UC related. Kenyon Martin's kid is also in the G League now. He is, yeah. He's playing for uh, Houston. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting. I know that he was making the recruiting rounds. I think two years ago uh, when we had our coaching vacancy and after John Brennan was hired, I know that kind of Kenny Martin tweeted or made an Instagram comment like, Oh, my kid would have been more likely to go to UC if they hired Nick Van Exel. And that's kind of something to talk about too, is like how this is a long episode, uh, how former players, of a certain team or of a sport coming back as the executive or head coach. Um, very, very mixed results. Most of them not doing so well. Right. All, I, uh, in terms of like the star players, like I'm not, you know, I think there have been cases of certain head coaches who have been, been troll, like Steve Kerr. Like Steve Kerr was a, I think, partial starter. Mostly came off the bench, I think, for his career. He's a great NBA coach, but Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player ever, has had a very difficult time as GM of the Hornets. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, uh, I don't know, that's kind of different. For somebody like Michael Jordan, who's like, I don't know, he's a businessman, like, at this point, he, he... He's, he doesn't, you know, care about the game. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but even at the college level, like, there have been a number of um, high-profile basketball players coming back to coach their alma mater. Uh, Chris Mullen fizzled out at uh, St. John's. I don't think they did too well. Patrick Ewing is kind of mixed. At, I, I really like Patrick Ewing as a player. Um it kind of sucks to see him not as be as, as successful at Georgetown as he could have been because it's like historically Georgetown's a spot for very dominant big men, himself included, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, and then we'll throw in Allen Iverson, even though he's like the shortest basketball player of that of those four, <laughs> um, and like very mixed success. Penny Hardaway at Memphis, um, kind of the same deal seen very mixed results so it's interesting like if had they have brought in nick van exel what would have happened because 
he means a lot to our program, but in terms of like NBA stardom, far down the totem pole compared to some of those other names I just mentioned. Right. Um, I don't know. It, do you, I don't know if they're going to be doing a conference tournament this year. I don't even know if they're going to be doing a uh, NCAA tournament. I want to say that they are trying to do it in Indy and kind of space it out between like everybody goes to Indy and then they just go to different colleges or even high school arenas, some of the bigger ones, because Indiana is so popular with basketball, and just have them uh, kind of play there. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything. I haven't really looked it up either. Yeah. I, it's been tough for me because, like, I really do enjoy watching, like, the basketball team. More so, I like my Bearcats all the way around. Like, if there's no wrong answer in terms of, like, you know, what's your favorite basketball, you know, Bearcats sport. But I like the basketball a lot better than the football. Football for me is, like, for the Bearcats football, like, if it's good, it's Oh great, that's cool. I'll I'll watch this and support this, but like, I'm not like following it rigorously like I do basketball. Yeah, I I've just never been too too much into college sports, so I don't I don't follow it too well. Either of them. I I have you know how we talked about in our first um, podcast about doing the um. Like, what was your first memory of, like, the Bengals? We talked about going down to, you know, Old Riverfront with your with our parents. It's kind of the same thing with, you know, basketball. My dad would take me to games when I was younger, so. Right. Got that, got that early nostalgia in it. <laughs> hmm. I guess I think they're still playing the conference tournament. I assume they're still playing the um, regular tournament. Although they're – so – what really sucks is that they've been playing like the last since the American Conference got started like seven years ago or so. They've been playing the tournament games in like relatively close places, uh, Memphis or Orlando. Um, but like the next like three year or in Fort Worth, Texas, it's like I am not going out to Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like basketball's been tough, and I, I never got to make Arena's point, so I'm going to make it real <laughs> quick, and then we'll kind of close up. Sure. Um, the basketball team, I don't. I'm I'm not hating on John Brennan. I think he's. I think he won me over at some points, and then he loses me at some points. I I think he's a decent coach, but where I think he struggles is recruiting bigs. I don't think the bigs that they've recruited are. You know, as good as ones that were coming from the McCronin or um, Bob Huggins time. I don't, I don't, I, you know, you know, I, there's in quality and quantity because like Chris Vogt has shown he can be really good at times, but then other times uh, he struggles. Um, you got Tari Easton this year, uh, who's a freshman, so he's still kind of learning the ropes, so we got to give him some time. Uh, they had this Ivan. I, I'm gonna screw up his name. Ivanowskis Rap Rapinowskis. I don't know. I don't know where the hell he's from, but uh, he came in. He wasn't very good. He, uh, he already left. He came and went for like seven games and was like, "I'm out of here." Um, I think they've had a really tough time recruiting in big men, and because of that, 
they have a hard time defending the paint. Um, so that's why I think they've really struggled on the inside, and that's why they've lost a lot of games in the last year because they just haven't had that inside presence that they used to have. Like um, Even some of the like lesser-known big names, bigs names, I should say, uh, even those guys aren't um, – we're we're better than what they have now, so it's it's been it's been frustrating because defense is very, as much as people will say defense is very important. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I've been rambling long enough. Nick, do you have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> to bring up? No, I'm, I'm I think I'm good. Okay. Cool. Well, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today. Thank you very much for listening. You guys have a good rest of your day.